My special guest today is a multi-award winning actress, dancer, choreographer, singer, filmmaker, mastermind, and most definitely a legend. For a decade, she played one of Sun Hill's finest. She remains one of the world's finest. The thesaurus used to say versatility. Now it simply says Sita Indrani. Sita, <laughs> welcome to the Bill Podcast. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm, that's terrifying. Is that me? That's not me. <laughs> well, this this podcast is all about celebrating talented people, and you you certainly fall into that category. Oh, bless you. I don't know whether you know this, but since playing Narika, you have played over fifty different characters in TV and film. That's not including radio, stage, or video games. That's, oh my goodness! That's really quite something special, isn't it? I wouldn't have said it was 50. That's amazing. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's, as you say, it's not including stage and uh, radio. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No wonder I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> At the time of recording this in 2019, you've already had four telly roles transmitted this year. Now, on, mm. on, on paper, it seems to me you're busier than ever and have a CV most actors would die for. How, how rose-tinted am I being? Is it still a challenge to make a living in this notoriously difficult profession? Of course it's a challenge. It's always... Mm. I was terribly lucky. For the first 20 years of my career, I was very, very lucky. And then... And, and, and the last sort of... And nine of that was at the bill. But, mm. um, yeah, it's it's... It's always a struggle, you know. People, uh, people don't understand that it's not like normal jobs where you get to a certain level and then you're always offered stuff at that level. Mm. I might be offered two lines in something. I mean, I did, I did the Transformers film a couple of years ago, and I ended up being a voiceover and one of those images on one of those multi-screen control room things. Uh, you know, that's where I ended up. Pfft, that's life. It's you. It's very much swings and roundabouts, and, and and I'm sure everybody's just sort of running to stay still, as they say. Yeah, well, a, a marvelous character you've been playing for the last few years, and including this year, you've been in all four seasons of the smash hit comedy Catastrophe. And oh, that, yeah. that, look, that looks like a lot of fun to make. <laughs> it was. It was. It, when I went for the casting, I, you know, you get sent. Uh, I can't remember if I was sent a whole episode or just a couple of scenes. And it was so well written that I just said to them, what do I need to do to be in this series? It was just all you need, for my part anyway, all I needed to do was say the lines in the right order mm. and and let the, the text work for itself, really. And yes, it's the other thing is as well, of course, when you're doing a lot of television and, and film, it's always nice to revisit a character because so often you're in there even if, like with the cafe, I did two series of the cafe. Yeah. It was on the whole, it was one day a week for six weeks, and and you don't really get any momentum going with it. But apart from that, it's it's a couple of days or a week or something. But to revisit such a well-rounded character was a joy and and a gift yeah. actually. Well, I, I hope you don't mind indulging my inner geek here because it's not every day, uh, uh, but I get to speak to someone who's not only been part, uh, as you've described, a small part, but still a part 
of the Transformers franchise, but also the Star Wars franchise, which not a lot of people might know, but you voiced a character in uh, one of the video games. That's right. I think she was called Queen Talia. That was the main one. And then I did a handful of other characters. But yes, (laughs) yes. And actually, I have to say, and the tripods of um, course series, yeah which because I, I only mention it because out of the blue i had a, uh, an email from somebody in new zealand who's writing a book about the tripods and and i still get letters from lonely men in germany <laughs> about <laughs> tripods. you just know you just know it's you know well it's sci-fi tends to bring bring a certain person to the table let's say yes it's, uh, Yes. But this guy in in, uh, New Zealand who's writing the book about the tripods, I'm still in touch with Robin Hayter, strangely. So I sent him an email going, have you, you, has he been in touch with you? And he said, oh, yeah, he's a very nice guy and he's writing this book. I mean, thankfully, he sent me the episode because I have no memory of it. It was such (laughs) a long time ago. (laughs) It's hard enough remembering the bill. I thought, what am I going to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, like Transformers, Star Wars, they're good, but for, for me, they're the starter. I'm waiting for the main course, and I'm going to start the campaign right here, right now. Oh, yeah. But you, Sita and Drani, I'd love to see you play Doctor Who. Oh, bless you. Well, I don't think I'm in the running for that oh, one. I'd like, a, I'd like a little part on Doctor Who. That would be nice. I think you'd be an awesome Doctor. You'd be fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. You're too kind. No, it's You're true. Very kind. I think you'd be awesome. Well... Little segue, let's travel back in time to the beginning of, of, of your career. When did you first get the performing bug? Do you know, um, my, one of my cousins reminded me that when we were little, we're, I'm one of two and then there were four cousins and we spent lots of time together. And she reminded me not that long ago that I would create these shows that we would perform in the garden, not not to anybody that, that I remember. I mean, she remembered all of this, but I do remember... Me organising these shows are usually around some kind of Christmas theme like Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or something. And, mm. and I always played the lead, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I found a part for everybody. And, there was, and, and because the fourth cousin in her family was tiny, who, she was sort of virtually a baby. So there was always a baby. So sometimes Cinderella might have a baby or Sleeping Beauty might have a baby, you know. So it sort of started quite early. But apart from that, I've, I sort of did the dance class thing that lots mm. of kids get sent to. Um, not, not that seriously. I mean, it was like a couple of years when I was eight and then a couple of years when I was about 13 or something. But that kind of stuck a bit, really. And I went on to train as a dancer, as you probably know. Yeah. Uh, from there, yeah. Well, I wondered, were there any performing genes in your family? No, I don't come from that. No, 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 not at all. I don't come from that sort of family. It was sort of, I just fell into it, really. Um, I really just fell into it. Somebody, I was at a part, somebody just said to me, why don't you apply to the place? And I did. Um, And my first job was catch. I was terribly lucky. I wasn't that I didn't really notice that that was going on because I wasn't really interested in musicals because I was a serious dancer. Um, But it had all of the components. I've I've always been able to sing. That's something I've always been able to do. And they were looking for someone to play the Siamese cat. And I went along. They'd already started 
the, the rehearsals, actually. They'd already started rehearsals. So I went along and got the job. Wow. But I didn't... It's actually not for decades later did I realise what a big deal it was and how many people they would have seen. Mm. And I, you know, I sort of... Yeah, it was just... And it was an odd... It was an odd thing for me to do, but... I, and, and, of course, no one could have predicted that it would have followed me around. It's still very present you know there are still productions of cats going around all over the world yeah and in your production you know the, these are all still names to conjure elaine page sarah yeah. brightman bonnie langford you know brian blessed you know there, there was mm. there was something in the cat milk as it were you know you've all you've <laughs> all had amazing careers well all of those people were stars when they went in i, mean, I always say it was a company of soloists mm. wayne sleep you know wayne sleep came from the royal ballet there were Somebody else who came from, not so well known, but came from English National Ballet. It, it was a formidable cast. Yeah. And you joined the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, I did. Well, uh, of course, Trevor Nunn directed Cats. And I managed to, to go to the RSC, I think it was about six months after leaving Cats. I did a few jobs, I did a film and bits and pieces in the summer I can't hardly remember but I know that sort of the autumn of that year I was at the RSC at the Barbican I didn't go to Stratford I joined them at the Barbican and did two shows with them there. Am I right you were co-starring opposite future fellow Sun Hill legends Peter Ellis and the late great Colin Tarrant? Yes indeed yes indeed there we all did Peter Pan it was a, a play version of Peter Pan that was devised by John Caird and Trevor Nunn um, and I played Tiger Lily in that, and oh. they were they were they were both pirates of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> Please forgive me if I you know it was quite a long time ago. <laughs> I, I've met Peter, and and to me, of all the actors and their their associated characters of the bill, he is like the least like his character. He's nothing mm. like Brownlow. A very quiet kind unassuming man you know nothing like booming brownlow well of course peter and i worked again together again uh doing a production of the mikado which toured australia and new zealand with the carl rosa opera he was playing whatever the emperor is called and i played pity sing so that was nice nice to to reconnect and what are your memories of, of Colin? It's, it's one of the great obvious, obvious sadness for me that I'll never get to celebrate his work because um, he was a yeah. phenomenal actor. He was. He was. Um, my memories of Colin was how political he was, actually. Uh, it was, a, you know, it was a sort of very Labour-leaning company as a whole. Mm. And Colin was very much in the middle of that. And and, prob- and, and Peter. And Peter was too, actually. I mean, very Labour-leaning. Uh, Eric, Richard... Uh, but I think I, I think I'm right in saying it was Colin that really got us attached to the Labour Party and got us. Um, certainly, he he organised a contingent from the bill to march with the miners wow. when all of that horrible stuff was going on. Yeah. So I suppose he he educated me somewhat politically because mm. I'm a little bit of a dunce um, oh. with all of that. <laughs> How did you come to join the cast of the bill? It's, you know, I'm sure everybody has got the same story. They were looking for a character called Narika Data and I just, I was just sent along by my agent as, you know, as I was for many other jobs since and before. And I think it was just a two process. It was just too, 
two meetings. I went back and did a screen test and then they chose me, which, which I, you know, I was, I was very excited about that one. It was, the bill was a huge favorite before I joined the show. So, oh wow, um, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was very exciting to get it. And I've done quite a lot of television before, but again, a bit like since the bill, unless you're doing a, a series like that, and, and, you know, I was in Doctors as well for 18 months yeah. uh, a while ago, it's all very bitty. So the bill was really, really where I'd learnt my television craft. Mm. And also, you know, things like being in a company for that length of time, it's it wasn't hard work. It was because everybody, it was really interesting people. And, and also we kept getting, I think the longevity of, of, of that company is that you, you're not paired up with the same people all the time. It's not like in a lot of cop shows, you have your partner and that's your partner mm. that you go out and do all the stories with. We were constantly being rotated around and I might not see Trudy, for instance, for three months. If yeah. we didn't happen to be in makeup at the same time, I just wouldn't see her because we could be on, and especially the women, because we often weren't on the same episodes. Mm. And I think it kept it very fresh. What appealed to you about playing Arika and how similar are you to her? I think, I can't remember what appealed, honestly, but in terms of similarity, I think she was very different from me. Uh, she, was a, she was a hairdresser. I can't remember I, I don't believe I remembered that. Um, she was a hairdresser that then wanted to do something a bit more meaningful with her life mm. and went into the police force, which is not like me at all. <laughs> but I think the longer you stay in a show, the more a character starts to take on take on who you are um, with the best, you know, and... Uh, and also uh, a character, she grew, you know, it was nine years of yeah. being in what is a tough job. I have to say, you know, having played a police officer for nine years, I I so respect the work that po the police do. It's a tough job. They see the worst of people. They Even if they're nice people, they'll see the worst of, of because it's always because a crimes are committed or an assault or something bad has happened. Mm. So it's, it's hard job yeah. and you know marika did grow up a lot during that time she went into the domestic violence unit which i had to do a lot of research about which was very upsetting mm. you know working in those specialist units is i don't know how they do it honestly i suppose she probably well i don't know i mean i, I had friends of mine sort of quite early on in the series saying to me that they watched and they they kept saying to their mum or their their sister or whatever that's not her she doesn't talk like that that's not her <laughs> so so i don't know i don't know i mean actually i don't know it was certainly a, a great part to play and it was really challenging in terms of the work as a whole mm. you know keeping all of those episodes running because we 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 shot several episodes at a time so keeping all of those straight in your head and I mean, but great challenges, you know, it's always mm. um, actors love to be challenged in that way. So it must have been pretty exciting if, if you'd been a viewer of the series and, and, a, and a fan and then suddenly you're, you're yeah. joining these very recognisable faces. Who do you recall when you joined, like, you know, particularly welcoming you? and Everybody did. It was a lovely company. 
Everybody yeah. did. It was a very happy company and, and a sort of company that had a lot of outside interests as well. You mentioned about the, the domestic uh, violence unit and, and mm. a, an early standout episode for you was called Near the Knuckle, which guest starred Dame Dorothy Tootin. Oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, most of the episode, it's just the two of you. Yeah, I was terrified about that because she was such a... I remember mentioning it to Susie Liggett, who's now a very um, famous executive producer doing all sorts of lots of stuff, but she was on the production team somewhere. And she she said to me, you just sort of tuck in behind her. You know, you just draw her experience and and brilliance mm. and, and sort of use it for yourself. And I thought, okay, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that. Oh yeah, but, yeah. It was it was um, it was a real honour to work with her actually. Oh, you you hold your own, yeah. Oh, bless you. But I think I think actually I remember I remember when I went in. I didn't intend to stay very long because I was very young and and I was getting a lot of work. A lot of there was lots of stuff I wanted to try, but it was a time where the, we were going through one of our great uh, depressions, financial sort of crisis time, and. What happened was we got fantastic actors coming in and doing episodes of the film and also fantastic directors. And it seemed ridiculous for me to to leave and, you know, maybe go out into a world that was actually there was going to be less work than there was before I went in. When I was also getting the opportunity to work with all sorts of extraordinary people, Dorothy Tutin being an example. And that episode was the first directing job for future BAFTA-winning filmmaker Nick Ham. Oh, yes. I remember, yes, Nick. Did he direct that? I remember working yeah. with Nick, but I didn't remember which which yeah, episode that, it was on. that's the one. And, and he, he covers the station from loads of different angles and, and has the light beaming through the shutters. And, mm. and, and uh, that episode is significant because you get the drums and for the first time you get top billing. Oh, do I? Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it must have been. I'm an not ex- sure how. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that worked. I'm not sure if. Okay, I don't know how that worked. My the back of my mind, I think it just depends on who appears on screen first. But maybe I'm wrong. It is one of those episodes where you, Trudy, and Lynn are are all in the episode together, and the three of you are all lined up in the, in the final shot. It's it's a great episode for all of you. Actually, you're all shine. Oh gosh. I'm- I'll have to. I'll have to watch it. I'll have to. I'll find it amongst my VHS collection. Oh. <laughs> and an, another very innovative episode you made around this time was "They Also Serve," which David Heyman directed, and with the exception oh. of the ad break, it's all one take. Yeah, yes, I remember that. I remember that. And for the first time, we we really rehearsed it because, of course. It had to be rehearsed. And we had a female camera operator, which was very unusual in those days. Mm. You know, it's still not that usual now, but it, we're getting more women on cruise. It had to be her because we needed somebody tiny because it was shot inside that one of those vans. You know, yeah. I think the premise was, was that we were waiting when we, we were back up for a riot or something Absolutely. or a football match or something like that. Yeah. I remember, I remember that. David was great. It's, it's always, it's always, a pleasure to work with directors who are or have been actors because they understand exactly what you need or don't need. They just leave you to it because they look they look at you and you go and they think, okay, yeah, no, they, they're on the right track and they'll leave you um, to get on with it 
and just do a little bit of adjustment if they if mm. it's if it's not what they're needing. David was great. Yeah. Well, also in that episode, and and one of your colleagues who must have been taking notes was Sam Miller, who oh, yes. yeah, clever <laughs> clever man. You know, he was obviously absorbing mm. it all in and and then went on to direct some episodes of the bill. So w- were you aware at that time that he was sh- showing an interest in, in life behind the camera? Um, I think I, I was aware because he also made a short film. I don't know if it was a short film before um, he did the, the episodes of the bill or after that. And he moved through very quickly, didn't he? I think he only stayed yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and in fact, Sam actually directed me in Gorilla, I did, um, it was an Idris Elba project. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was nice to, I mean, I see him from time to time at events and stuff, but it was nice to work with him again. Yeah, but his star has really risen. <laughs> yeah, he's done amazing. But, but you know, yeah. you, you have become a director and directed short films and documentaries. So when, when did your interest begin? Oh, I can't remember how long ago it was, maybe 13, 14 years ago. I decided I wanted to go back to study something and I looked around a lot of options and I ended up going to Central St Martin's School of Art they had an MA there called design studies which was basically a research-based MA that you could make up your own course and I decided to investigate a certain aspect of filmmaking which I can hardly remember what it was but it was to do with women in film of which were of course a minority we made a film as a group quite early on, actually, just about three months after the course started. And I started working with an editor. And from there, we we just... It, the great way, a great way to make yourself make films is to look for these challenges. They have 24-hour challenges mm. and 48-hour challenge. And you go along and do them, and, and you're, you're turning a finished product out in a very short amount of time. So we did loads of those. And then we started getting commissions. We had a commission from Sony Asia to contribute to a series called Asians in Europe. And we did something about Asians in Sweden. And Jim Sweeney, we did this uh, a full-length documentary about Jim Sweeney, who's a co- comedy store player. Some people know him from Whose Line Is It Anyway?, so, which we took to Edinburgh, to the Gilded Balloon, not the Edinburgh Film Festival, but to the Edinburgh Festival. And and various, like, bands, you know, a couple of bands that we know asked us to do stuff. And I think the last thing we did was some architects we know who had a new building that they were hoping to, well, they had to complete because it was going to be open for the open house weekend, the, the architectural open house week, weekend. And they wanted stuff going on in the house and they gave us a pretty free reign so it was more um, you know art house filming stuff going on their projections and monitors scattered around the house and soundscapes and things in fact we've been invited to Khanya in Crete they have a a big dance festival but for a weekend they have a, a conference and we have been invited to present my partner now, who's the geek, is, has sort of customised an Xbox and um, written this piece of software for it. And he wants to actualise what he's done with that in movement. Oh. That's probably the easiest way of saying it. So we've been invited to take part in this conference. Dance, the Art of Communication, Concept, Action, Extraversion, 
question mark. So we're we're sort of working on much more abstract stuff now. Yeah. Which is the fantastic thing about film. It can be anything you want it to be. Mm. This is mashmosh films. That's right. Yeah. The filmmaking thing has sort of petered off and we're doing this weird, it's just this weird stuff, (laughs) art house stuff. Yeah, because, you know, it's creative. It's, we don't, it's, we're not making it for, we're not making it specifically to to succeed. Do you know what I mean? It's pure creativity. It's just working through ideas. Well, and, and technology, the, the industry is evolving all the time. So mm-hmm. the more clever mm-hmm. stuff you can be doing now, I think it's kind of future-proofing. That's what we're doing. We're doing clever stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Fantastic. And yeah. did, you, did you notice, and also we, we ran a film festival in Australia for six years. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah. A lovely interview of you, or a fragment of an interview you on, is on YouTube. And it's, oh, right. it, it's just at the time when that festival was really starting to snowball and, and it, it, it sounds like it kind of exploded very fast for you. It did. It became, and the problem with these things, they start off being very artistic and then it just becomes admin. It's just admin. And as you say, it really, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And we were very well supported. We had federal funding, state funding and local funding. And we also, it's, the Clare Valley is one of the wine producing regions and we had loads of support. I think we had two major supporters and then two smaller supporters from of, of wineries there. And it was really well supported, but uh, just too much. Just, just mm. too much. We couldn't, we just couldn't continue actually. And, and six years is a good amount of time and, and people, you know, still are in touch with people. So if we wanted, we we um, made a short film using local people because we always had an educational strand mm. going alongside the festival. So there's still sort of connections there, and and it's not that it's completely forgotten, but it will re- the next iteration will be something else, not lots of admin. Because, of course, you know, just in terms of watching the films, the first year, without even advertising, I think we got about 350 films. Wow. And then that's going up into the thousands, yeah. you know, and and we have to watch them. Mm. <laughs> it's a, you can't, we, you delegate to a certain extent, but we have to watch them in the end. Yeah. You know, and we had a whole panel of judges and we had to shortlist, well, longlist them and then send them out to the judges and every judge watched the long-listed film that had three watches and then we had to collate all of you know it was just and everything else everything else it was just too much but but really a great learning curve mm. and and wonderful to to bring people's work through you know we always made sure especially if if we had Australian filmmakers that were submitting for a second time we always tried to show their to show their work and support them as a festival. Mm. There must have been times when it clashed with your acting, where you had this commitment that, you know, did you have to sacrifice acting work? Um, yeah, I suppose, yes. But, you know, I've been doing this quite a long time and I don't need to, I don't really, so I, I don't want to fill my whole diary up with doing acting work. Mm. Now, I need to do something more creative like this work that I do with my film partner. 
that we're taking to Hania, for instance, and the film, the Clare Valley Film Festival. It was, it was exciting. And, and you know, one year we we created these strange pods that were standalone with video screens that were don- donated, and we put art films in them. And just thinking about, just making, having an idea and following it through, and then, so we had art films playing inside them and it was only it was sort of you had to watch them as an individual and then we decided to to gather up local artists of which there are a lot of visual artists in that area and get them to decorate the exteriors of these pods you know that's really creative it's you're making it yourself when we make a short film we're making it ourselves when I'm as an actress I love it I love it but we're realizing other people's creative ideas as actors Mm. where you know that's that's our job um obviously we're bringing to a certain depending on the director you're bringing a, a certain amount of oneself to the table but this is this is creative you know making this work i don't know exactly what we're going to do in, in crete yet i mean obviously it's going to build on stuff we've done before but it's it's exciting that is that's really exciting but uh, but by the same token i still enjoy i went to a i did a job in budapest earlier this year and that was fun it was a, a canadian production um you know quite a large budget and being flown off somewhere that's all that's all fun and, and lovely lovely director and lovely people as well lovely actors to work with mm. I mean, so it's a you know it's it's variety i suppose is what i'm saying in a very ham-fisted way no no, no it's fantastic <laughs> more gold dust to come from Sita in part two. She was so generous with her time and I thought I'd treat you all to a two-part special. How about that? So stay tuned and see you very soon for part two.